My name is Pip Roper, and welcome to this podcast, Neulinger in Berlin. Neulinger, for those of you who might not know, means newcomer in German. And despite living here for almost three years now, it's still how I feel most of the time. So each episode, I will be chatting to somebody different about their passions and why they've chosen to pursue them here in Berlin, with the hope that they can educate me about their particular area of focus and how that takes shape here in this great city. I will also be sharing my passion for baked goods with each of my guests by baking them a little special something that you'll hear us trying and discussing at the end of each episode. So expect a really good recipe to go along with each guest and you'll be able to find that recipe at neulingerinberlin.com. In this first episode, I chat with Brian Bell. He's a theatre director and actor from Texas with many different projects under his belt, not just in Berlin, but all around the world. He was kind enough to come and chat to me about the ups and downs of life in the theatre. Hello, Brian. Hello. Thank you for coming to see me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, Brian, you are a very interesting man. I was very interested. I'm hoping today that you can educate me on the theatre um, because oh, my, I yeah, <laughs> just just all of it. If we have that much time, um, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll do my so best. So if you could, um, but yeah, um, my my theatrical education ended when I was marched out of a Brecht play. Um, in Liverpool by my drama teacher because she said it was it was crap. But, um, How dare she? But I didn't. Well, she, no, she 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 said the production was crap. She didn't say the Brecht was crap. Oh, cool. We but I but we weren't actually studying Brecht. We were studying a guy called Arto. Yeah, Antonin Arto. Yeah, mm-hmm. didn't 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 really get along with him. Okay. <laughs> well, right. I guess my dad found it hilarious because there was one scene in one play where a nun pulls some scorpions out of her vagina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a guy running around in the background who's going, "Where is my Groyer?" And um, uh, so that was that was it. That's kind of what I remember. So you you forgive me <laughs> if I guess it was kind of, that was kind of my general understanding. I would love to have heard the conversation between the director and the props master on so what yeah. do you mean scorpions that come out of the vagina? Yeah, like do are you they think... live scorpions or what color, black or red? Yeah. Can you handle that? So I I'm hoping to kind of get more of an understanding of. How plays come about, um, mm-hmm. because you have put on a lot of productions, or you're racking them up there anyway, you're getting quite a few <laughs> yeah. under your belt anyway, so sure. uh, you are um, currently working with the Deutsches Nationaltheater in Weimar. That's right. Um, yeah. And uh, you're putting on some, some things there, cabarets, and... Yeah, we have a, there's a cabaret series that I founded there last year, it's called the Rambatsamba Bar, and Rambatsamba is just sort of a German word for... Um, uh, loud loud racket that sounds fun I'm gonna use that yeah it's like what do you you go into a room full of like partying teenagers like hey what's all this ramba samba oh, nice. you know yeah. so it's sort of a variety style cabaret show with lots of music and sketches and skits and some um, little opera little theater little rock and roll a little bit of everything cool sounds really yeah. good so that's one project that's going on in Weimar my debut production at the National Theater last year was called Killer Joe by Tracy Letts uh, and that was taken in the repertoire for this season. And then I also choreographed a show that was directed by Corinna von Rad, a show called Astoria, which is a 20s era review evening, sort of about the time between the wars and the um, about two young vagabonds who are sort of trying to, to get rich quick by uh, inventing a state, sort of invent a yeah. state called Astoria that doesn't exist and they convince all these aristocrats that it does exist. And it's all about sort of, uh, you know, trying to keep as many balls in the air at one time before everyone finds out that the state doesn't actually exist. It's sort of about what is a state and what are borders and yeah. all that kind of stuff with lots of uh, uh, cha-cha and tango and all Amazing. kinds of other stuff interspersed in between. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but, and your, as I understand it, your kind of passion for theatre kind of comes out of a passion for interwar kind of era. It does. That's my, that's one of my, my, my great loves as far as aesthetics go, or as far as also the literature go. I think it's just a really exciting time in history. I mean, mm-hmm. 1919 to 1933 is uh, extremely exciting time historically, lots of ups and downs, also an extremely instructive time, unfortunately, when we're thinking about our current age. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of parallels. So yeah, I, I like that time a whole lot. Yeah, excellent. And uh, so Killer Joe as well. Killer Joe, um, I find quite interesting because of course it is a play set in Texas and you are <laughs> a Texan. Uh, how do you feel about bringing that to Germany? Did you feel well, like I, I am mean, the guy for this job? No, I didn't want to do it at all. I, <laughs> I, it's funny because you know, you, you the in the state theater system, the, the process for selecting how plays come about was very, very different from the process I was used to. Because I'm used to working as an independent artist in America mostly, but also, you know, internationally. And all of those projects come about by a lot of hard work and a lot of waiting and a lot of luck mm-hmm. uh, on my part. And usually a project that I really believe in and work hard at for a year or two at least to sort of make, to get the funding to be able to do it. And then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're sitting in an office and the dramaturg says, so what would you like to do? And you go, well, I don't know. I'd like to do many things. Like, mm-hmm. Well, for example, and you sort of suggest a few things. And then she says, well, what about these few things? And yeah. you go away and you read those plays and you come back and you talk. And it's it's lovely. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a really lovely <laughs> it's process. It's a way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, I was proposing Shakespeare and Goethe and Schiller and Weimar classicism kind of stuff. And she came back and said, well, what about Tracy Letts? And Tracy Letts is the sort of star author from Chicago where I have been living for the last few years. And Killer Joe is written by him. So written by a Chicago author takes place in Texas. And she's like, you know, you worked in Chicago. You're from Texas. This would be perfect. And I thought, well, absolutely not. I didn't fly halfway across the world to do American realism. That's not why I'm here. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all, it also doesn't have, make any sense for Weimar because this time is all about classicism. And that's what they want to see. And she was like, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, oh. The last thing they'll be exactly. And so that's what we ended up doing. And it, and it was as per her... Um, Premonition, it worked out really well. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Because uh, it's quite a dark play, isn't it? It's quite sure. Dark, and, but it has that kind of, um, uh, I don't know, that kind of southern kind of gothic feeling mm-hmm. almost to it, really. Um, yeah, and that's one of the tricks, the big tricks to producing it was it's written in a in what I would consider like a Texan dialect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, lots of funny jokes. and stuff. I mean, Let's grew up in Oklahoma, but right on the Texas border. I mean, it's basically the same part of the world. And he, he really writes... Uh, the characters in a really authentic way and it's almost impossible to translate mm-hmm. a lot of those things but it was really fun to try mm-hmm. he has there's one line in the play where he says he has this sort of the one character Chris who's the, who's the lead who's sort of like a very very small time drug dealer like even small like if you know Breaking Bad like mm-hmm. smaller than Jesse like like yeah, really yeah. like a, a, no, a loser yeah. and he can't do anything right and uh, he, he can't even curse right like he tries to curse and doesn't even really work and he at some point when the when the last shoe drops and it's clear that he's not going to come out of it in a good way, out of the plot, he says something like, uh, he says, uh, fucking fuck suck cake. <laughs> right, which you laugh if you're an English speaker, right, because it's so ridiculous. And it's like the opposite of good cursing. But how do you translate that into German? Yeah. And we just couldn't. It just didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Like we tried something like, verfickte Scheißkuchen, right? <laughs> Which it sounds funny if you know what the English is, yeah. but if it, if you're a German just hears that like that's not a word. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Kuchen doesn't exist. Yeah, you're like, that's uh, not a that, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, those 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 things trying to trying to 
you know, be true to the to the text, but in a German way. It was, mm-hmm. it was fun. It was a yeah, lot of fun. that sounds fun. Yeah. Is it you who gets the idea and says, "I want to run with this," or, or again, somebody coming to you and saying, "We're going to run with it. I want you. I want you to direct this," <laughs> or. And also with, well, with hopefully that's the best example. Yeah, that's yeah, the best situation. Yeah, somebody gives you, somebody throws you money say, at Please, you. Please, just And any show you want, yeah, any show yeah, you want. Do whatever that's you the, want. That's yeah. the best, yeah. the best way it can go. That doesn't happen very often. Basically, what the director's job is is about six to nine months, generally before rehearsals start. He or she meets with the producers, whoever. You know, so if you're in the state theater system here, that would be the artistic director and the dramaturgs, or in the independent scene, that would be maybe the theater that's hosting it and or um, the actual producers, people putting front in the money, mm-hmm. right? And you start having meetings with them and having meetings with your design team, which is the set designer, costume designer, uh, and then et cetera, if you have a music designer or a video or lights or whatever. And you start having meetings uh, pretty regularly where you just discuss what the play's about and what it makes you think about and you sort of free associate images and you bring in research of like paintings and photographs and films and everything else that sort of inspires you when you read the thing. You, know, you have a big rehearsal where you, you show up and you sort of present a very short version of your concept to all the workshop leaders so the scene shop the costume shop the makeup department um lighting department but what's neat about about a theater is that there's almost particularly in germany but in lots of different parts of the world there's it's not just the actors and the directing team that puts it together there's there's this incredible amount of hand uh, like uh technical know-how and, mm. and technique um, in the building because you have like in Weimar for example this is true in most state theaters here um, you have a full scene shop so a carpentry shop you have a full metal shop in house you have a full painting studio so it's it's you know a hundred meters long mm-hmm. the room and three stories high where they paint all the backdrops so you have six professional painters in house you have a professional wig making department all the wigs oh, are made yeah. strand for strand in house <laughs> Yeah, you have a f- complete woman's tailor shop and a complete men's tailor shop, and all the suits that are worn on stage will be made for the actor mm-hmm. from the bottom up. Amazing. So it's it's incredible. I mean, the yeah. amount of of you know, it's like a little it's like a little medieval village in there. Yeah. You know, like everything's just there. Like, just you can't underestimate craftsmanship, right? Just yeah. Where you just I always just really appreciate people who are really fucking good at their jobs. Totally, and you feel it. You feel it when you see. I mean, when you see people walk. That's you see people walk out on stage in a suit that was built for them yeah. and you feel it yeah. it looks like James Bond yeah. you're like oh my god you yeah. know and that changes the performance it yeah. changes the way they act you, yeah. know, the, you know it's great yeah. they obviously didn't just pull it out of storage exactly you know? yeah. yeah I was watching something recently it was a very short kind of little I can't even find was it maybe the, the New York Met I'm not sure and it was following the, the costume the head you know had a costume and it was everything was very dramatic with them you know like every they they, they behaved very dramatically to each other and like it was like sandra sandra i just what is this and it'd be like i need to talk to you it'd be like no no darling i will talk about it later and it's like it's like and they're just like really it's like okay but i can't do this with this much money or i can't, yeah, I can't. Yeah. and it was just like they were very dramatic people sure, yeah. and it was it was uh it was fun to watch <laughs> well so much yeah. of the work in the theater is about managing personalities yeah for sure. i bet yeah, yeah. Uh, so so yeah that must be fun or maybe not um from maybe coming from the the acting side of it do you sometimes feel like you can see where some kind of i don't know it's where some kind of not tantrums but you know some kind of you know inputs oh, sure. coming from or yeah it's really important to me too that my acting background because you notice immediately 
I, as when I was still performing as well as now, like directors that don't have an acting background, there's just things that they don't understand. Um, and some of it's really difficult to tell. Like sometimes like when an actress, is the actor throwing a temper tantrum or is he on his last leg? You know, and most of the time, I feel like it's worth, you know, particularly German actors, they love to bite back and they love to push back and they need they need the... Um, what the Germans call Auseinandersetzung, right? This idea of setting one thing apart from another, or we would call it arguing, but yeah. <laughs> but it's like uh, it's like a dispassionate debate, right? Right. And there's a sense that if you're not able to meet them on that level, if they're not if you're not able to give them uh, attention that they can work with, mm-hmm. that they can create um, some some really strong. Uh, um, relationships out of that and sp- re- uh, relational tension mm-hmm. as well, right? And so sometimes if, you, if you're if you a little too soft-handed or too soft-gloved with the actors, they feel like they're not making great enough art. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and they start to rebel, you know? <laughs> yeah. right. So you have to kind of, yeah, yeah it's, 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 there's lots of weird mind games you have to play. Yeah, I bet. Is, is, that one of the, is that one of the main differences between working with like a German cast or working with a, uh, an American cast? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because the German cast, they all have... They all have full-time two to five-year contracts with paid vacation and salary benefits, right? So you're only there as a director for six to eight weeks, and then you're gone, and they're playing your piece. So if they don't like you, mm-hmm. they just can kind of like not cooperate, okay. right? Because they have the power. Whereas in, in the English-speaking world, it's the opposite. In the English-speaking world, you basically don't play in repertory. You play what's called en suite, which means you just play it for a certain amount of time, and the show's over forever. And uh, which means you don't have ensembles, so you're hiring the actors in for each show. Yeah. That means the director is hiring the actors, so he's not uh, just the person managing the rehearsal or running, you know, crafting the storytelling. He's also literally the boss, mm-hmm. right? And there's certainly a sense of you worked so hard as an actor to get this role, you're not going to be an asshole about things because you might just get fired. Sure. You'll be like, well, screw this guy. We'll get the yeah. ne- There's 50 people behind the next door that all yeah, can do it better yeah. and are prettier anyway, so yeah. we'll just get them in yeah. here, right? Which isn't necessarily better. It's, it, in fact, it often leads to um, very sort of what I would consider watered down mm. uh, work, unfortunately, you know, because the actors aren't confident enough to, yeah. to disagree, you know. So, um, so yeah, anything we should be looking out for in Berlin coming up? Um, any kind of interesting... Uh, obviously, this is kind of going out to the English-speaking uh, world, um, uh, theatre-wise, you know, just for, for kind of a philistine like myself, you know, kind of looking Sure, well, two, a couple of things. There's a big shift starting to happen now because some of the older, old guard of the artistic directors of the theatres in town, uh, two of them at least, are leaving their posts next season, so... The Volksbühne uh, on Rosa Luxemburgplatz is losing its longtime artistic director, Frank Kastorf, who has revolutionized German theater, international theater for the last 20 years. And it'll be taken over by a new um, a Belgian guy who's been running the Tate Modern. Uh, he's taking over the theater, which is very controversial, and he's not necessarily a theater person so much, although he has a theater background. Uh, and he's taking over one of the biggest ensemble theaters the most famous sort of left-wing theaters in the world. So that's interesting. That means that this last season, so now until June or so, are the last opportunities to catch the repertoire uh, of this amazing work that's been going on there, very revolutionary for the last 20 years. So that would be something interesting. The Schaubühne in West Berlin is the sort of one of the leading theaters in Germany and also certainly in the world in contemporary theater right now. It's very got a very film-esque aesthetic uh, Katie Mitchell, the famous British director, works there a lot. 
And they do a lot of shows with supertitling in English. So that helps. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way to get acclimatized to German theater, mm-hmm. which can be a little bit challenging sometimes if you're coming from the Anglo-Saxon world. And the Deutsches Theater, I think, is also a great place to see some work. They also do a lot of supertitling in English that's happening more and more. So that's a great way to access some of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the HAU, H-A-U, in Kreuzberg, is a big international touring house, and they create their own work as well. And they have lots and lots of work in English and yeah. from all over the world. Yeah. So lots of different it's access points. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's one of the best theater cities in the world. Yeah. So Excellent. I always tell people, and it's all state-supported, so you can afford tickets. You can yes, get tickets yeah. for less than 20 euros to anything every day. Yeah, brilliant. So go check it out. But I think we'll, well maybe we'll do some cake. Ooh. So it's time for cake. Cake. Um, and it is time. Okay, so... When we've been talking about theatre and opera, and you said to me before this that you were, uh, you 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 kind of you know you like the bittersweet, you know yes. the dark and the light. That's right. And that's kind of what we've been talking the dark, about in theatre. The yeah, that's you right. Know, so it's it's a it's a it's a you know a, a terrifying mistress. And I I thought I would go with a um, uh, I would go for something kind of very rich of course blah 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 and i thought in my head this was going to be the maria Callas of cakes oh okay it's not the maria Callas of cakes okay it's nice it's maria Callas on valium <laughs> i love it so love it. it's, it's maria it, Callas it, on valium it's not it's not Ooh, is it like a zakatora it's, well, it's not a zakatora i should have oh. made a zakatora Damn. No, I'm Maybe, just I'm yeah. just looking through the through the thing. So I, it's it's a it's a dark chocolate espresso torta. Oh yeah. But the espresso is sleeping, <laughs> <laughs> okay. which is something that espresso fundamentally shouldn't do. So help yourself. Fantastic. Thank you. Exciting. And let's see. So yeah, this is the idea that my guests get come and they speak to me and they, and they get, get cake. cake. I well, I'm a big fan of all those things. Yes. Speaking and cake. Speaking and cake. Here we go. We're ta- trying the cake. Go now. for it. Mmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, hang on. Wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is chocolatey. It's very chocolatey. It's good. It's not espresso-y. No, but that's okay. No. It's the Valium. It's the Valium. It's the Valium. (laughs) There is Valium. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, it's full of Valium. (laughs) You had nowhere to be later, did you? You're not even Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming and and educating me on the theatre. Thank you for educating me on on Maria Um, Callas and Valium. Yeah, but yeah, this is is (laughs) the cake. Um, For everybody who might want to make Maria Callas on Valium... (laughs) Which is what we're calling this cake yep. officially. Um, uh, I'm gonna put it on. I'm gonna put it on my um, on my site. Uh, all the recipes will be up there, um, and maybe you can try and improve it and let me know how it went. How I can make it more coffee-y and more yeah, so more stage ready. Well, so Maria, she's, she's ready. Value. You know, Maria um, on cocaine. Yeah, that's what we're looking yeah, for. That's yeah, that's what we're looking for. Um, maybe the only answer is to put in cocaine. Maybe. Um, possibly. So <laughs> cocaine is always the answer. It's right? <laughs> Or an answer. It's always an answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yes, thank you so much for thank you very much. um, Good luck with all the shows, um, and I look forward to um, to seeing some of them certainly in the future. Look forward to that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. 
that was the lovely Brian Bell. Thank you so much to Brian for coming in to talk to me on our first episode of Neulingerie in Berlin. I've put links to information on what Brian is up to on my website, which is neulingerinberlin.com. That's N-E-U-L-I-N-G-E-I-N berlin.com, neulingerinberlin.com. And you can tweet at me, at neulingerberlin, just the two words, at neulingerberlin. And I've got a Facebook page as well, and you can access all of this through the website itself. As for Maria Callas on Valium, that really fantastic espresso cake, I made her again and I put a lot more espresso in it and uh, it was a lot better and that is on the website, the better version. So go and give that a go if you want to go and impress some friends with some very exotic, very dark, chocolatey, espresso-y cake. It was pretty good. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Anna Byrne, who is a writer and filmmaker from Ireland. So please come back in a couple of weeks to hear that episode and I'll speak to you very soon.